All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. It's a new year. It's a new book. We are going to be diving into the blood of Olympus. We have a new guest. Um, stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. <laughs> Woohoo! Already blowing out the microphone. <laughs> new book. The last book of the Heroes of Olympus. Also the last book that was relevant to Carter and Erica's lives. Although not technically <laughs> the last book Rick Riordan has written. Sometimes it feels like that. Thank you for being here. Happy New Year. And we do have a brand new guest here today to join us for the opening of this book. So everyone say hi to Mariana. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Yay. Tell us a little bit about your background with Percy Jackson. <laughs> so I think I'm older than both of you. I'm 26. So I was 11 when they first came out. So I was in grade six. Target audience. And in our social studies class, we were doing a Greek study thing. And I don't know, teachers just know what books are coming out. And so our teacher was like, do you guys want to read this book as like our class book? And we were like, yes, cool. We read it and I remember we like all took turns reading it out loud. And I just have such fond memories of it. And then I like told my dad about them and he was like, oh yeah, these sound really cool. And... Every like subsequent one coming out, he would buy it for me the day it came out and do like a little like treasure Aww. hunt for me to find <laughs> it. <laughs> See, as always, it's it's like a little quest. <gasps> so I just have such fond memories of these books. Dads, um, I know, I know, he's the best. So yeah, I've been reading them since I was eleven. I read all of them as they came out and then like I took a pause after the Heroes of Olympus started coming out and I didn't I read the mm -hmm. first one and then I was like eh it's kind of boring I don't really I'm mm -hmm. not really into it and then over the summer I was like well life is boring everything is COVID <laughs> so I have nothing to do and so I bought them all and started rereading them like from the beginning which is when I started listening to this podcast and then uh, I was so into it. And so I was like, okay, I have to finish the Heroes of Olympus series. And then I did. Yes. I also started Trials of Apollo. But I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it was kind of boring. Um, <laughs> it has been said before. <laughs> I will maybe one day persevere and finish them. But mm -hmm. yeah, I'm a huge fan of these books. Huge Persebeth fan. Yeah. It is the greatest love story of all time. You don't have to ask me. <laughs> that's a jury. I will come out and say it. Um I was like, Woo! I shouldn't be like I as a 26 year old should not be like crying over this 16, 17 year olds like <laughs> falling in love. And yet here I was. Why not? Crying. <laughs> what a beautiful story. A questing. I used to love doing scavenger hunts in my house. We used to do them with my cousins and plant like do little clues everywhere. 
there wouldn't be anything at the end. It was just, you know, They're for so the fun. You get the satisfaction <laughs> of like solving clues. Yeah. Also, is there a godly parent in your life or a species association you feel very strongly <laughs> about? I feel like it is my dream to be a daughter of Aphrodite just because I think charm speak yes. would be so useful. <laughs> like borderline not ethical, as in not ethical at all, but <laughs> not borderline. <laughs> um, but just so useful. Like, oh my god, I could convince anyone to do anything. I think I'm a moral enough person that I would only use it for like throwaway things. Yeah, good for you. Um I can't say but the same for myself. I, 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 it's it's easy to say that when you don't have that power. And then as soon as you're like, oh, wait, I can use this for anything. Like, I don't know. I can't say that I would hold on to that standard. So, but that's like my dream. I don't know that I am her daughter. I don't know if I feel like a kinship towards her. But I think if I had to mm -hmm. pick one, I would be yeah. like, that sounds pretty sick. Oh, yeah. Well, there's two more questions we have for you. One, the age-old. You said you've listened to our podcast. You know this is coming. How did you pronounce <laughs> the name of Percy Jackson's Centaur Mentor when you first read these books when you were 11 years old and they were coming out? There were no reference points. Uh, it was Chiron because <laughs> my teacher knew because we were studying mm. it and she... You were so reading she, them out loud. Yeah, we were reading them out loud. So we had to figure out how to pronounce things. So, yeah. Right. Oh. I love read aloud. I guess that makes sense because we do podcasts. I know. It was fun, except like some people just like aren't good at reading out loud, especially like 11 year olds. And it's infuriating. And I'm like, okay, can we go to me? Like I'm a drama kid. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll give the proper <laughs> enunciation for everything. Like some people are just so monotone. And I'd be like, oh my God, please stop. Literally, or like if you would popcorn the reading, I would just like wait. I would like scan the next few pages and wait for the biggest paragraph and be like, this is my monologue. And just yes. there. <laughs> literally i'm like i'm a gemini so it's my time to i was shine. gonna ask but i didn't want to be annoying <laughs> i'm also a gemini <laughs> Gemini's. um great so last question special bonus question because it's heroes of olympus and we need to just do more trivia can you name for me one of the giants that oh we're gonna God. fight at the end of this book that's not enceladus just because that's kind of a, you know, enchiladas and saladas thing. No. <laughs> I <don't think> I <laughs> <can>. <laughs> True. Excellent. Same. I really thought I had done my research, but no. clearly I didn't. Some things in life are worth knowing and some aren't. And this is not one of those things. So God damn it. I'm already disappointed in myself. <laughs> For our listeners, I was cruel. I didn't even put that question in the outline so that our guest couldn't prepare uh, for it. That did me dirty. <laughs> I would not have been able to answer that if somebody asked me, so it's fine. Actually, Clytius, but that's only because we've talked about him so much. I only, <laughs> I only know Polybides, Polybides, but oh, he's decided one, yeah. 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 Is he at the end? He dies before that, I think. They all, most of them die like twice. So he does die. Well, fair. Instead of Neptune, fair. and then again, yes, he'll be back. <laughs> okay. Well, well, thank you for letting us get to know you a bit. I kind of knew then. <laughs> you did. You did know one. Quick summary in case anyone hasn't been following us on Twitter and Instagram and listening to us post about this. But we are going back to a weekly schedule. Tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your coworkers <laughs> and your colleagues, tell your descendants we're doing weekly episodes again and we're gonna be doing four chapters an episode our guests will be here for two episodes at a time just a heads up for y'all so hopefully the episodes will be a little shorter from here on out per week and all that being said i think let's dive into this book starting with the dedication 
I purchased a hardcover because I usually read them on my Kindle, but I purchased a hardcover just for this. Oh my god! And you got the pretty cover, not a hardcover, like a hard copy of it. Physical copy. Yes. Yeah. The hardcovers are. I have the hardcover. Unfortunately, because that's what they had at. Oh, where was the Sam's Club when I first got it? Um. To my wonderful readers, sorry about that apology for that last cliffhanger. I'll try to avoid cliffhangers in this book. Well, except for maybe a few small ones, because I love you guys. Okay. He just thinks he's so <laughs> funny. He's just referencing something he did in a book a y- two years ago. <laughs> and after that dedication, we have the prophecy with let's just go ahead and give ourselves a reminder of since we're entering into the final book where prophecies will be fulfilled. Seven half-bloods shall answer the call. To storm or fire, the world must fall. An oath to keep with a final breath and foes bear arms to the doors of death. I almost acted like I needed to read that and it's not burned. (laughs) So we open up with Jason and this is another very iconic opening line. I relate to this line. (laughs) Would you like to read it? Sure. Jason hated being old. His Aww. joints hurt. Okay, yeah, just the first line. Sorry. <laughs> I got into it. <laughs> My time to shine. <laughs> you're going to read something else, too, since you're a Gemini. But the time will come. Yes. Obviously, it's funny because, spoiler, Jason dies. But also, it's a little sad. It's making me sad because it's true. He's been misted up to look like an old man for this. And this is the only time he's ever going to be old. He's never Damn, going I had never to grow thought old. about it like that. That's really sad. <laughs> It made me sad. <laughs> Carter's not based. I, I mean, it is sad that he doesn't live for a long time. I, you know, shout out to him. Living long is good. Um, at the reading of the book, though, when this first came out, we were probably not thinking about the fact that he's going to die four books down the line, but the fact that it doesn't make sense. He's 16 years old. What's going on? We get this trickle of exposition coming out about the fact that he is off on this mini quest on i think they can tell that it's an island he describes it as like being along a shore with hyper and annabeth we know where we are should we say it um oh we're on ithaca we're on ithaca ithaca baby (laughs) and not just ithaca new york Uh uh-uh not upstate (laughs) we are in ithaca greece home of famously odysseus but in this case more importantly penelope and telemachus Odysseus's wife and child. Exposition-y information about Piper and Annabeth here. <laughs> Jason's exposition. This is the only time after Mark of Athena where he's described Annabeth so far, right? Because they weren't together for the last book. And allegedly they've like buried the hatchet or whatever. Like there was beef during Mark of Athena. And now maybe there's not beef, but like it still sounds like there's beef. I don't know. Like this description that he gives of Annabeth is shady. That's all I wanted to say. We can continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's absolutely beef between the two blondes on this quest. <laughs> There always has been. And let me tell you, one of them is better than the other. (laughs) One of them could beat up the other one. And it ain't the one with the lightning strikes. I mean, one of them dies, which is pretty pathetic. (laughs) Whoa! Hot takes! (laughs) Right out the gate. Right out the gate. (laughs) All right. We spent a lot of time at the end of the last book discussing Jason's character growth there's a little line here jason's dreams are getting worse he's hearing the voice of gaia say your father is first among the gods yet you are always second best to your roman comrades to your greek friends even to your family how will you prove yourself discussion question i post the class how do we feel like that (laughs) plays into or goes against what we were discussing about jason's arc in the house of hades popcorn (laughs) 
I feel like this is a very important next step. You know, it's not as though it's going to be easy for him. He's had this ingrained into him his whole life that he should conduct himself in a certain way. And even though he definitely had a real journey with real struggle to get there, backsliding is likely and also something that Gaia absolutely would target. Gaia is testing Jason and whether or not he is actually committed to taking a step back and recognizing that other people have things to contribute and are leaders themselves in their own right. And he hears her voice. And this makes sense. This this is mm. a, absolutely a potential backslide that we're watching out for. Mm-hmm. Mariana, thoughts on Jason's growth? It's there. It's happening. Sucks for him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not a huge Jason fan. <laughs> <laughs> you said it not me so <laughs> i'm kidding i've said it many times <laughs> like I'm, I'm i'm happy for him that he's like going through this growth thing it sucks that the voice of gaia is so loud and he has all these like self-doubts and stuff and that he has, thinks he has to prove himself because like you're fine you're like gonna die <laughs> I feel like Vanessa Hudgens seemed like, it's like, inevitable? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's a throwback. Ooh, actually, I've been seeing that comeback a lot. It's a very funny video. I feel like it will go down oh in history. God. I really thought oh, that was going to be Vanessa. curtains for her. And look at her now in a no, she stayed very quiet successful for a year, movie musical. And now she's in TikTok boom, yes. <laughs> her PR team handled that well. <laughs> Great. Jason has also been having nightmares about his mom. And there's a cool description of her and the way that he remembers her because he was so young the last time he saw her. He really just remembers like her skirt and her scent, giving us an excellent sensory description. And he remembers something. Nico D'Angelo had warned them, the House of Hades would stir their worst memories, make them see things and hear things from the past. Their ghosts would become relentless. That's a quote from page nine. I skimmed mm-hmm. through that in my first reread, but this is important. This is really, it's not quite foreshadowing, but it's really setting up what's going to be important thematically with this book and with the internal journeys for every character, really, and how they're going to yes. face their ghosts in this book. Important also, um, for those listeners who might have forgotten what the deal is with Jason's mom, since it kind of has not been talked about in these books since, I want to say The Lost Hero, Jason is siblings with Talia, right? Um, They have the same mother and arguably the same father. And um, Jason was abandoned by his mom, maybe, maybe not forced by Juno to some degree to be abandoned by his mother. Before that, though, his mother had sort of a rocky relationship with him. Like Talia really does not like the mother because she was an alcoholic who we gather was abusive in some ways to them. And she has passed away a few years ago, right? So like Jason did not really interact with her as a sentient non-toddler of a person yeah he barely remembers what her face looks like yes that's just the background on that jason seeing the ghost yeah let's do a little myth discussion so odysseus we probably all know about him we've all either read circe or been forced to read versions (laughs) of the odyssey carter mentioned ithaca is his home island it's kind of where he was like quote-unquote king his wife was penelope his son was telemachus If you haven't read Circe, please do so. We might be doing a special episode (laughs) on it soon. And we're entering into a mansion and there's a bunch of ghostly suitors. And these are not to be confused with the suitors of Helen before Mm -hmm. the Trojan War began, but these are the suitors of Penelope, Odysseus's wife, from when he was gone on his uh, odyssey. And people were trying to see if they could marry Penelope to become the king of Ithaca. And the named ones in this scene that we're about to have are Antinous Mm? and Eurymachus. 
Antinous is nasty. He wanted to murder Telemachus, Odysseus's son. Mm-hmm. And Eurymachus is really beautiful and like hot and probably tall, but he's also like dirty, dirty, cheating liar, cheating, messing around <laughs> with all the maidens. They're the main <laughs> players in the myth. They're also the main players in this scene. If you read the Iliad, maybe you know that. Along with some other people from history and also people from the history of Camp Jupiter, aka 1980s praetor Michael Varys, who I believe was mentioned in The Son of Neptune. Correct. Yes, he led the failed quest to Alaska to retrieve the symbol of the Legion and, uh, you know, uh, died in disgrace up there. Yes. And the role that Jason is playing as a disguised Pathetic. misty old person. <laughs> embarrassing. How embarrassing for him. <laughs> Jason is playing Iros, Iros I'm going to guess, who is a beggar in the myth mainly opposed Odysseus because when Odysseus came back from his odyssey he was disguised as a beggar Athena wanted him to do that but we're disguised here to get information surprise surprise all the ghosts are working for Gaia she's promised them something that she won't fulfill Um, (laughs) this is actually a quote from the book some must have come back to life before we closed the doors of death some are just spirits some are ghouls and that's important because ghouls are a special breed of ghost where they're kind of more like zombies. They eat human flesh. Sick. They're actually come from Arabic and Mesopotamian mythology. So that's fun and new. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> okay. I talked a lot. Carter, go ahead. <laughs> Should we just do the reading? Um. <laughs> yeah. Mariana, would you like to do it? <gasps> oh my God. <coughs> I almost just choked it. How excited I was. <laughs> this is like the one person that's actually... <laughs> Yeah, I underlined it. (laughs) I was like, this is the one section I'm so excited about. Oh, perfect. That's why I put that picture of Rachel Bloom there. We have to take our love kernels where we can get them. (laughs) Love kernels. Yep. A handful is a proper servant anyway. (laughs) Jason remembered the talk he'd had with Percy before leaving the ship. Percy had stayed aboard to watch for threats from the sea, but he hadn't liked the idea of Annabeth going on the expedition without him, especially since it would be the first time they were apart since returning from Tartarus. He'd pull Jason aside. Hey man, Annabeth would kill me if I suggested she needed anybody to protect her. Jason laughed. Yeah, she would. But look out for her, okay? Jason squeezed his friend's shoulder. I'll make sure she gets back to you safely. Now Jason wondered if he could keep that promise. So sad. (laughs) The first time they've been apart, I'm devastated. (laughs) This is hard for them. They have separation anxiety now. I mean, like, they literally went through hell and back together. I would have separation anxiety too. I'm honestly surprised and impressed that they even did separate for this. I know. I think it's, like, I understand why they did it, but I'm surprised that they did it. Yeah. I don't know if we've mentioned this, but relevant to the fact that we were on Ithaca is the fact that Annabeth in the past has many times compared herself to Odysseus and talked about him in very favorable terms. Like the Mm -hmm. only other past hero that she has spoken about in a similar way is Daedalus. We obviously have been through that. We complicated that. I I don't feel like we really get there with Odysseus, but it makes sense that she's here. Even though um, Jason is, again, being so shady to her as we continue with this description about how she's, like, not actually fooling anyone with her um, acting as a servant. <laughs> like, he has, like, the mist doing all the work for him. I'm sure that he wouldn't be very good either yeah. if he had to just be a polite little maiden, so... I'd like to hear Jason's old man voice. Yeah, I bet it's not very good. <laughs> Cough it up, Jason. Where is it, huh? <laughs> So apparently many of the guests here are not just suitors of Penelope in the past. They are also, quote, suitors for Gaia's favor. 
Ooh, wordplay, Rick. Many levels. Wow. Uh. <laughs> no, they're suitors for Guy's favor. So Guy is promising these people like power and revenge and like probably control over the earth, but mostly like revenge against Rome. These are not even mythological people. These are historical figures. There's a former king of Athens there. Hasdrubal of Carthage. Is that how you say that? One of the other empires that battled Rome. Hasdrubal was the brother of Hannibal, if you are rusty on your ancient roman history <laughs> i literally will be honest i did not know any of these people's names until i googled them from this book because <laughs> i don't know what european history because instead of learning european history in high school i watched the matrix and which one was more useful absolutely the matrix shout out to that oh my god i just watched the matrix for the first time the other day are you prepping for resurrection which one just the first one yeah i can't remember if we've actually clarified this on air but carter and i instead of taking ap euro senior year we took mm-hmm. european history through philosophy shout out to samuel vieira samuel vieira <laughs> he really just sat us down and told us about european philosophers and had us watch the matrix over three class periods we were in that class together and we tried on three projects. One of them was um, an episode of the Oprah Winfrey show about the problem of evil. Um, <laughs> it was a transcript of an episode of the Oprah Winfrey show about the problem of evil. One of them was a script for an episode of Saturday Night Live that was just bullying various epistemologists. And then the final project that we turned in for this was... Um, <laughs> it's on YouTube somewhere. Don't. It's, <laughs> it's unlisted, right? It's a private link. <laughs> it's unlisted. It was a parody of the high school theater show. From Saturday Night Live. That's a reference for no one. But anyway. That was to say, we don't know anything about European history. I learned about Hannibal of Carthage in um, middle school Latin at the level of he had elephants and tried to go to Rome and failed. Yeah, they they fought the Roman Empire in the Punic Wars, plural, because they were many. And of course, they did end up losing. There's your history. Thanks, Rick, for (laughs) teaching me what Samuel did not. But thank you mostly to Samuel. Thank you mostly to Samuel. (laughs) Sammy Vieira. While Jason's trying to get some info here, Eurymachus spills that Gaia's forces are blocking both their paths right now because we're trying to get to Athens, right? So the only way to do that, we either need to sail across the Straits of Corinth, where there's a ton of evil monsters waiting for them, or we need to take the much longer route of sailing along the southern coast, the Peloponnesian Peninsula. Yes. Which is also very dangerous and might take too long. So that's important information for us to know. Okay, there's another small monologue here from Michael Varis. It's on page 26. Jason bit back a curse. He'd been trying to ignore the dead predator, but now Varus walked over, surrounded in a hazy white aura, his deep-set eyes like sinkholes. At his side swung his imperial gold gladius. You must stay, Varus said. Antonia shot the ghost an irritated look. What's the problem, legionnaire? If Iris wants to leave, let him. He smells bad. The other ghosts laughed nervously. Across the courtyard, Piper shot Jason a worried glance. A little farther away, Annabeth casually palmed a carving knife from the nearest platter of meat. Varus rested his hand on the pommel of his sword. Despite the heat, his breastplate was glazed with ice. I lost my cohort twice in Alaska. Once in life, once in death, to a Gracchus named Percy Jackson. Still, I have come here to answer Gaia's call. Do you know why? Jason swallowed. Stubbornness? This is a place of longing, Varus said. All of us are drawn here, sustained not only by Gaia's power, but also by our strongest desires. Eurymachus's greed, Antonius's cruelty. You flatter me, the ghoul murmured. Hasdrubal's hatred, Varus continued. Hippias's bitterness, my ambition, and you, Iros, what draws you here? What does a beggar most desire? Perhaps a home? Love it, Rick. You're so sneaky talking about Jason having no <laughs> desires and... What does Iros even want a home? Do you want a home, Jason? Are you going to decide between the two <laughs> camps, Jason? 
Although he did kind of already decide, right? He did choose Camp Half-Blood at the end of the last book. <laughs> As he should. As we were saying earlier about the comparison with Annabeth, Jason is not a good actor. He did not... <laughs> he did not think about the backstory. He doesn't have an idea of what the desires of his character are. Terrible. Oh, no. He certainly was not coming up with a super objective. He was not categorizing his 10 questions. He doesn't know his moment before. None of this. Absolutely none of this. He had no tactics. Shameful. Shameful. Who raised you, wolves? <laughs> Always funny. Anyway, Michael Varys is saying all of this as a setup for the fact that Jason's mom is there. That's the that's the jump scare that he set up. Already? We're facing our ghosts? <laughs> yeah, it's the fifth book. It's the tenth book, really. We've got to get going. <laughs> There's some stuff to say about this Jason's mom showing up. It's interesting. She is apparently what has been reduced down to a mania, which is something we're also going to see of some more ghosts in this book. It's Annabeth, right, who brings it up. They're like humans who wither into ghosts who are just kind of obsessive about certain things or manic, I guess. And I remember reading these pages and thinking, <laughs> oh, wow, this sounds a lot like Mae Castellan. And then Annabeth does bring it up at the end mm -hmm. of this difficult conversation with the mania of Jason's mom that she's impressed with how Jason handled it because her friend Luke didn't handle it so well. In fact, he became Cronus, so. <laughs> he actually handled it the worst way possible. <laughs> yeah, Lou Cronos. Somebody called it Crook, which I thought was a good ship name for Cronus. <laughs> yeah, so he Not became ship Crook. name. <laughs> I don't know, it's interesting. I feel like you're going to have something to say about this, Carter. <laughs> it's a crazy woman. There's so much to say. <laughs> I literally don't have anything to say anymore about this. Like, I don't think that this is treading new territory beyond what we already knew about Jason's mom and also what we already had with Mae Castellan. It's the same idea of this woman is so crazy because nobody loved her. And she's a bad mom. And I feel like that is the extent of it. Nobody loved her and she's a bad mom. And so, like, her son's something, something. This is the worst possible trauma for them. And they must, I don't know, like, move past their mothers because their mothers are, like, sad, lonely, crazy women. And I don't know, <laughs> I just really do not care for it. Perhaps someone can make the argument that there was more nuance here. Like, parenthood's really complicated. Jason was in a rough situation. But primarily, I don't care for it. <laughs> do we think it was important for Jason's mom to show up here? Do we think it makes sense for his arc? He kind of essentially tells her that... You're not my mother anymore, is what he says. need her, yeah. Yeah. I mostly feel about this that, like, it's just bizarre to me that it's sort of coming out of nowhere in the sense that Jason has had multiple books with us in which this has not come up. He hasn't really thought that much about his mother and here she is showing up. And I don't know. It do I don't get the sense from reading the past yeah, books that Jason is actually weird. really hung up about his mother. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's because the House of Hades, like I feel like it was like, oh, yeah. going to bring back memories that you had repressed and like feelings that you had repressed so I that's like true that's fair that's fair he's finally like oh maybe i do have mommy issues <laughs> repression is real that's true that's fair <laughs> yeah. this is the book of facing our mommy and daddy issues absolutely yeah the ghosts of everyone's pasts wait what was that from oh it's from the books that shall not be named his eyes were glinting with the ghost of his past oh yeah. the rita skeeter <laughs> quote the ghost of my past <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i need to temper my critiques a little bit i think that jason's last line is something about like chosen patronage which is real yeah that's all i have to say about that <laughs> yeah chosen patronage also because he's choosing his family right by choosing camp half-blood so yeah after living a life that Hera yeah. has theoretically kind of juno has controlled most of 
Yes. That makes sense to me. It feels really clean and tight for the first time with his character. Okay, so Gaia knows about Reyna and Hedge and Nico on their little side quest. We start to hear a lot about a mysterious hunter who never rests. Uh-oh, who could that be? What kind of hunters do we know from mythology? And then there's a fight, <laughs> naturally. Big fighty fight fight. But in this this fight is different. For the first time since waking up in Arizona, Jason felt whole. He's really, he made a decision. He chose not to blow his wind aimlessly. And he <laughs> rejected his crazy, crazy mom. And now he's whole. <laughs> uh, that is the argument. In, um, <laughs> in this fight, Michael Vera, um, who, I don't know, I'm starting to really dig this character, actually. <laughs> There's some sick lines mm. and, like, nice um, <laughs> nice moments for him. He um, gets up in there and, like, fucks Jason up with that Imperial Gold. What is his line? Let's pull it up. It's a one-liner that I really enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Next to his ear, Michael Vera snarled, born a Roman, die a Roman. The tip of a golden sword jutted through the front of Jason's shirt just below his ribcage. Jason fell to his knees. <laughs> That's iconic. I'm it's sorry. Iconic. Michael yeah. Vera, literal backstabber and successful at it too. I miss Ethan Nakamura. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Michael Vera will never be Ethan Nakamura, but like also cool. I can't believe that the doors of death weren't working and we didn't bring Ethan Nakamura back. <laughs> But yeah, they do win. J- Jason is almost dead here. This is a bad injury. He's for like him. he's had many bad injuries. This is bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is like a mortal injury. Yeah, I mean the sword is poking out the front. It's made of imperial gold. It's not. Doesn't look good. <laughs> it's not looking. I good. I was just reading the part where Piper kisses Jason's forehead and is like, "Think about birthday cake in the park." And I'm like, <laughs> "I hate them together." Think about all our fake ass <laughs> memories that never happened. I know <laughs> they have no chemistry. It's like watching, not to bring Harry Potter up again, but Harry and Ginny in the movies, where I'm like, the the sight of you together disgusts me. That's me reading Piper and Jason scenes. Oh it's so funny because Hot Blood Prince is so heterosexual and so hormonal and nothing. Truly, the two of them are giving nothing. Sorry to Bonnie Wright, but I don't think she gave Ginny a personality. Ginny in the books is just different. Ginny in the books, she is popular. She's promiscuous. She's, she's angry. She, she's, um, yeah, she's like fun and flirty and always yeah. kissing around. She's like all the boyfriends. Yeah. She like dates everybody hot. Um, Dean Thomas. Dean, Dean Thomas. Thomas. She landed like, Dean Thomas. She did. Ron is like, my sister's low key little slutty. And I'm like, yeah, go Ginny. Go her. She did it. <laughs> but this is not his time to die yet. Not so <laughs> pathetic. Absolutely embarrassing. <laughs> Flash Hera makes an appearance here. This is the first time we've seen her in a while, and there's some delightful, <laughs> there's some delightful like verbal sparring going on between her Your and your bovine um, highness, Annabeth. <laughs> <laughs> we should clarify defense to Jason. Juno doesn't just appear. Jason's like, we need to summon her. Let's go to the fancy, famous marriage bed that they have that has a tree in the middle of it, and then she'll show up, and she does. Yeah, this is interesting. Thinking about the marriage bed and the way that they went to the marriage bed, which is sacred to the marriage bed of Odysseus and 
Penelope, which yes. is supposed to be like a really wonderful marriage because he stayed with her, even though, of course, he didn't really. He cheated. But it made me think <laughs> a little bit about Hera and Hera being the goddess of marriage and how she's all messed up because she is kind of the goddess of the crappy parts of marriage and like the weird confinement of it and the jealousy. I mean, like, she also has a cheating husband. Yes, misogyny and the misogyny of the myth and that perpetuated in these books. But it would have been really cool if Hera was treated as like a goddess of partnership and if we thought about that with Persebeth and some of the other romantic partnerships in these books, if Hera was able to explore that a little more, you know? Rick tries to, I think, in this book, make her two-sided in interesting ways, but not not really. She doesn't see herself as tied to any meaningful partnerships that we see and enjoy. I feel like Hera stands for not just marriage, but also there are some ideas about commitment and about maintenance of homes or something. I don't know. But like none of those things that we see embodied in other characters see themselves aligned with Hera in any meaningful way, which is a little sad. But also, I'm not going to defend Hera. I don't care about her. She's here. <laughs> she and Annabeth do argue. It's your bovine majesty. I apologize. Yeah. Hera Juno does give them some advice. She says you actually do need to sail around the peninsula. You need to go south the long way. And you need to seek out the goddess of victory in Olympia. Unless you can subdue her, the rift between Greek and Roman can never be healed. So at least that gives us our next step. We know where we're going. And she also says, as you heard, the giants have gathered in Athens. Few gods will be able to help you on your journey, but I am not the only Olympian who is out of favor with Jupiter. The twins have also incurred his wrath. If you reach the island of Delos, they might be prepared to help you. They are desperate to try anything to make amends. So we've got some, some pit stops to make Mandalorian style. And we're pretty much off. <laughs> Next week, we'll be back with chapters five through eight. Thank you guys for being here. You can follow Mariana on Twitter and Instagram at It's Mariana with four N's, right? Correct. And you can follow us on Instagram at Seaweed Podcast, on Twitter at Seaweed Braid Pod. We will see you next week. 